Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you for being here. Good to have you here this Sunday morning. Pastor is gone, as you may already have known, and uh, we almost had a dark service this morning. Uh, yesterday afternoon, one of the transformers across the street blew, and uh, it knocked out one of our phases here at our church in the, our power box. I didn't know all this stuff. I'm learning it all through texts from Pastor yesterday. And Pastor said, welcome to the ministry, Brett. And uh, so as of last night, when I went to bed, we didn't have full power here. Our air conditioning wasn't working. Our sound system wasn't working. The lights in some of the bathrooms were working. Some of the Sunday school classrooms weren't working. And some of the other rooms were dim. So we thought we just were going to figure it out when we got here this morning. And then I got a text from Pastor this morning saying, hey, I'm on the plane. And uh, they fixed it 2 a.m. last night. So praise the Lord. We have full power, which is good. I wasn't sure what it was going to look like today. And uh, so Pastor said it should be a normal service. I don't know exactly what that means. But... um, but it should be a normal service this morning. So glad to have you here with us. Beautiful weather today, and uh, we are glad to have you with us. A couple announcements this morning as we get started. If you're joining us here for the first time in person, please stop by our welcome desk. We have a gift we'd like to give to you. We'd like to get a record of your visit so we can get to know you better. If you're joining us for the first time online, please either scan the QR code on your screen, or you can go to svtindy.org contacts, and we'd like to get a record of your visit online there as well. We are still looking for more ushers, so uh, if you are interested in helping with ushering, please see Ken McKinney. He's not here this morning, but he should be here tonight, Um, or you can see myself as well, and I can let him know. So if you're interested in helping with ushering, please uh, let us know for that. Our missionaries of the week are Russell and Lisa McKay. We've been praying a lot for them the last couple of months. It's been a tough couple of months for them, Um, but they are back in their ministry, and they're excited to be back. Uh, They have a couple of prayer requests. One, they're praying that they get a permanent location, the location that they've been renting from for the past couple of years. The landlord just told them last month that they had to um, move their services from 11 to 8 a.m. And so for the months of July and August, they decided to do their services outside, and uh, the Lord blessed there so they could keep the same time. And they had a meeting um, a couple weeks ago um, with a new potential renting place, but I haven't heard anything back officially from that. So we're just praying that the Lord will provide either a permanent location, which would be the best idea, or someplace new, or so that they can continue having their services at the same time. And so just praying for that. They also had a praise. They have what they call the John 316. Um, it's a website, and so it's a, a story. They, they're helping prepare to share the gospel. And so they had a summit, what they call a summit, and they had about 15 area pastors on Zoom, and then they had about 40 people in person, pastors from the area. And uh, they had a bunch of people in their church and a bunch of volunteers, and they were able to pass out 20,000 gospel tracts in the city of Vancouver. And so they're just praying that those will take seed and that the people will come and hear more about the gospel and uh, more about the Lord that loves them. And so we can be praying for that. So we'll have the ushers come forward at this time to receive this morning's offering. Before I forget, we have missionaries with us this morning as well. Alex and Nicole Boyle, where are they? There they are sitting in the back. Uh, They're going to be presenting tonight. Uh, They're heading to South Africa slash Namibia. Um, But they have a table set up in the lobby, so please stop by and get to know them. They're great people. And um, so they will be here tonight to present their ministry during the evening service. All right, Deputy, you want to come forward and pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the opportunity to come to a, a church with AC and with lights and with sound systems, Lord. Uh, We're just grateful for all the small things that allow us to serve and glorify you to the highest capacity, Lord, and we don't take those for granted. We thank you uh, for this week. I pray for the Mackays, that they would have a a location that would be able to uh, fulfill their needs for a place where they can have their services, Lord, and we praise you for the 
the gospel that's been going forth through their ministry, Lord. We're, we're grateful for that, Lord, and I just pray that you continue to, to stretch that ministry. I pray for the offering this morning. I pray that uh, what we give would go beyond what it should be able to through the power of, uh, of you. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 145, verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. 
Uh, this morning we're going to start off by singing the song that was just played. So if you're able, please stand with me as we sing The Mighty Power of God. I sing the mighty power of God and may the mountains rise. Let's Apostle to the Romans, chapter 3. What advantage then hath the Jew? What profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. But what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and some affirm that we say, let us do evil, that good may come whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know 
that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. Amen. For us as Christians, our joy is God himself, and there's so much to rejoice in as Christians, because God, he is so great, and he is so good. So I encourage you to think about the words as we sing, O God, my joy. O God, my joy, you reign above in radiant splendor and as we sing, it's still the cross. Yeah. 
go ahead and stand if you're able as we sing out these next two verses. The brilliant light, the stone removed. The brilliant light, the stone removed. The echo of his empty tomb. The Lord of life had vanished His fatal scheme of vacant bread is still the cross, is still the blood, is still
be seated. When I think of all my faults and my failures, when I consider all the times I let God down, I am humbled by the grace he has extended. I'm amazed at the mercy I have found. I could never earn his love on my own. Yet every time I come before his throne, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. When he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hand that bought my liberty. I stand Thank you. We're going to look at that this morning, that concept of being redeemed. And so if you would, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. Pastor, for the last couple weeks, has been focusing on Sunday mornings on the gospel. And so we're going to continue that this morning. I'm not sure what David's preaching on tonight, but I know what I'm preaching on this morning. So I can tell you that with confidence that we're going to preach this this morning. And so... I want to tell you about a story, or maybe not a story. I want to tell you about a time in my life where it was the... It was probably the most excited I've been in my whole life. And uh, I was, it was June 15th, 2018. Now, I was very excited that day 
because in just a matter of, I guess, hours at this point, I was about to marry the most beautiful woman in the world. And uh, she's sitting right in the back. If you want to, you know, don't turn around, look, she'll hate that. She'll hate that. But I was about to marry the most beautiful woman in the entire world. I was so excited. And we had done some premarital counseling, and so I knew a little bit about marriage, not nearly as much as I do now, but I knew a little bit about marriage. And uh, we had just done the um, rehearsal, and so I believed that, you know, marriage was a thing. I was pretty excited about it. I was excited to be married, right? That was the next step. All right, the rehearsal was done. The rehearsal dinner was done, and marriage was the next thing, right? And so I was very excited about it. I, when I got to college, I, I wanted to be married, right? I, I looked around and saw, especially I saw her, and I said, well, this, I think this is where I went ahead, right? And I was pretty excited. I knew a lot about marriage. I, I learned some about marriage. I was excited to be married. But on June 15th, 2018, I was not married. I was not married because I had not received my wife. I had not received her as a spouse. Now, the next day, June 16th, is that the right date? Okay, I've got that right. <laughs> I double-checked like three or four times to make sure I had the right date. June 16th, 2018, at about 2.30 in the afternoon, I received my wife, and I was married. Now, can I have a raise of hands? If you are married in this room, please raise your hand. It's nothing to be ashamed of, right? Marriage is honorable, right? Okay, so I'm going to stop for a second. I'm looking over at this section over here. A lot of you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you. Okay, right, all these older people are looking over at you now, okay? So how many would say, you know, I, I believe that marriage exists? Teenagers, would you raise your hand if you believe that marriage exists, right? Teenagers are college students, right? Okay, now, keep your hands raised if you would say, I would someday like to be married. Okay, a couple less of you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> all right, now, how many would say that maybe you're excited to be married, Right? Yep, okay, now raise your hand if you are married. Okay, so a couple, yeah, a couple of them are like, hey, I am, cool. Um, here's the thing. They are not married because they have not received a spouse. They may know some things about marriage. They may be excited about marriage. They may even be looking forward to marriage. They believe that it exists. But they are not married because they have not received a spouse. And some of you this morning may be saying, you know what, Pastor Brett, I know that God exists. I believe that God exists. And I know that there's this thing called salvation. And it's a pretty cool thing. I may even know a little bit about it. But you know what? You haven't known salvation because you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to look at that this morning. And so many of you here may say, well, Pastor, I, I have already placed my faith and trust in Christ. I am saved. Awesome. So don't check out here, because here's the problem that I see in our churches in America and in our world today, right? The problem is not politics. The problem is not leaders in the world. The problem is, the problem is that there is sin that needs the gospel. And I'm afraid that believers don't know how to handle the gospel. When I, uh, I was working with one of our college students just a couple weeks ago, actually, and we were meeting for lunch, and uh, he had not placed his faith and trust in Christ at this moment. And so as we're talking, he starts saying, yeah, I've heard from a couple different people, and they keep telling me about this be saved thing. And I just don't know what that is. And I'm afraid that we as Christians use Christian lingo, and it goes right over the head of people that have never heard the gospel before. And we don't know exactly how to handle the gospel properly. So that's one aspect, right? If you're a believer today, you say, okay, I need to learn how to handle the gospel. But secondly, we're going to look at it at the end, right? 
the gospel should impact every single aspect of my life. It says in first, Second Corinthians 5, if you, then be risen, or if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. Right? We're going to look at that in a second. Old things pass away, behold, all things are become new. So, if you are a believer here, as we work through this gospel, don't check out. Yes, you may have heard it hundreds of times, but you know what? It is precious. And it is an incredible thing that we have. We've been looking in our college class at the book of 1 Peter. And the whole first chapter and about 10 verses of the second chapter deal with our salvation. And one thing that I've just been bouncing around in my head for the past couple weeks has been this. Peter says this. He says, you know what? Angels desire to look into it. They inquire about it. And prophets who prophesied about it, you know what? They didn't fully understand it either. And he's saying, you know what? This is an incredible thing that we have. And we can't lose that. I don't want it to ever become something that is second nature or I take it for granted, Lord. This is an incredible, incredible possession and gift that we've been given. And so as we look through it today, you know what? I don't want you to say, well, yeah, I've heard that before. Thank you, Lord. This should be changing everything that we do. Because, you know, when we fully understand what the gospel means, it should change everything about me. All right, so I'm going to bounce around to a couple different passages tonight. Um, or this, tonight, this morning, sorry. I feel like it's tonight. I feel like I haven't slept much. This morning, uh, and then we'll work through the gospel here. So, first of all, we have a problem, right? The problem is in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from a holy God. Now, how many here have ever been to the Grand Canyon in Arizona? I think it's in Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona. I have never been. But I have heard it is absolutely gorgeous. I would like to go sometime. I've flown over it, so I've seen it from a window, but it's not the same, right? They say it's not the same when you fly over things. Um, but I've been told that at the Grand Canyon, there are parts where it is a mile across the Grand Canyon, right? And so let's say for a, for a second that I went with a couple of our college students. We've got some pretty strapping young men in our college group, right? We've got Nate works out a lot. Josh is pretty fast. Charlton's like seven feet tall, right? So we've got some pretty... Um, strapping young college students. So let's imagine that I go with Nate, Josh, and Charlton to the Grand Canyon. And so we go and we're just, we decide we're going to jump across the Grand Canyon uh, because we're really good, really strong. And so Charlton thinks, well, I got really long legs. So I'm just going to run and just start jumping. He's thinking Captain America right now, right? He's thinking as he's jumping across. And so he takes this nice long run and he runs up and he jumps. Getting a little right here. Anyways, so he jumps across, right? And he makes it, let's say he's really good, so he makes it about 25, 30 feet. Now, that is a really long jump. I think that would break world records, right? But he jumps 35, 30 feet, right? Does he make it across? No. So what happens? <whistles> Splat at the bottom. There goes Charlton. We miss him, right? So Josh goes, okay, Charlton, come on. Come on. I played football. So I'm going to put a football in my hand, and I just get extra speed and extra flight when I have a football in my hand. And so he, he gets this football, and he puts on his pads, and he thinks, I'm going to make it. And he runs, and he's faster than Charlton. So he, he gets a little bit more momentum, and he goes out 55 feet. Whoa, that's a crazy jump, right? Does he make it across the other side? No. It's flat end of Josh, right? We love Josh, but he's gone. Nate goes, okay, I'm getting my doctorate way beyond these people that have not gotten their doctorate. I am way smarter. And so Josh says, or Nate goes, you know what? I might not be as fast as Josh. I don't know, I don't know if you are. I'm not sparking any brother feuds here. I don't have as long of legs as Charlton. So I'm going to build a ramp, and I'm going to get on my motorcycle, which Nate doesn't have, but he's going to after this message, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and he, he takes off, and he takes off on the ramp, and the motorcycle goes flying. Nate goes flying. 
he goes half a mile, which is un- unbelievable, right? Literally is unbelievable. You can't go that far on a motorcycle. But he goes a half a mile across. Does Nate make it across? No. <laughs> Splat, Nate and the motorcycle, both dead, right? Sad for the motorcycle and Nate. We missed Nate. He's gone. All three made it partway across. And some made it or maybe even better than the others. But you know what it says here? For all have sinned and come short. None of them made it fully across. You know what? Because it's impossible to make it fully across in your own strength. And that's what he's saying here. You know what? We all come short of the perfect glory of God. Are you getting that ring, J.D., or is that just me? Is everyone else hearing it? Okay. Right. I'm not sure what the whistle is, but we'll just keep talking. And so we all come short of the glory of God, the perfect holiness of God. None of us in our own strength can be perfect. We were talking about perfection being maturity this morning in our college group, but perfection here means this, no blemish, no sin, being completely without sin. And so we can do nothing of ourselves to fix the problem, right? It says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are dead in trespasses and sins. Now, we've had a couple funerals in our church recently, and not one time have I come in and been nervous that the person's going to sit back up and come back to life. Right, that'd be pretty freaky. Okay, um, I would probably go home and not come back to any more funerals at this church. I'm not sure what the church would have, right? But what happens a lot is, you know what happens when they die? They stay dead. Right? Dead people cannot come back to their from their from the dead on their own, except for Jesus Christ. Right? And so we cannot come back to life on our own. We can do nothing of ourselves. We are dead in trespasses and sins. I can do nothing of myself to cross that barrier into God's glory. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God because sin is our very nature, right? I have a one-year-old, and um, he doesn't always obey. Um, to put it, He's a very good kid, but he does not always obey. And I did not teach him how to sin. <laughs> I would teach him the opposite if I can, right? I don't teach him how to sin, but it's our very nature. We were born dead in trespasses and sins. So that's our problem. Our problem is, you know what? We're separated from the Holy God, and we can't do anything in ourselves to get past that. But the penalty is this, Romans 6.23, for the wages or the payment of our sin is death. Now, this is not just dying a physical death. This is eternal separation. Death means separation, right? When someone dies here on this earth, we are separated from them. And so this separation is eternal separation from God in a place called hell, which is a literal place. Now, I, I found a passage that sparked my interest a little bit. It's in Matthew chapter 25, and it's verse 41, and it says this, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, and then get this, prepared for the devil and his angels. So God's plan was not for us to go to hell. He did not create hell for us. It doesn't say anything about created for the devil, his angels, and sinners. It says he was created, is created prepared for the devil and his angels. So God's will is not for us to go to hell, right? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you know what? When we, when we give in to the sin and we are dead and we don't have any way to rescue ourselves to get across this chasm, this bridge, you know what happens? We go to this place, a little place called hell, which is full of burning for all eternity, and we're never burned. It is darkness. But the worst part of hell is this. We are eternally separated from God for all eternity. We will never, ever be in the presence of God again. And that's the worst thing that anyone could be. But you know what? God doesn't want anyone to go there, right? That's the payment, the penalty. 
Our problem is that we cannot cross this glory of God threshold. We cannot be perfect on our own. The payment is, you know what? The, the payment for my sin is death for all eternity, separation from God. But God gives a solution. Pastor, I think, preached a message from Romans 5.8 called the biggest but in Scripture. I think he called it that. I'm pretty sure. But it says in Romans 5.8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're just talking in our college group on Wednesday night about the fact that we don't deserve so many things that God has given to us, first and foremost being salvation. I don't deserve it. It actually is given to me despite the fact that I, that I sin against him or rebel against him every day. Right? It says, while we were yet sinners, while I was in the process of sinning, Christ died for me. Now, the cross is something that um, doesn't often get viewed the way the Bible portrays it in our world today, right? A lot of times you'll see something like this, right? A cross is on the, in wood, it's beautiful. You'll see someone with a cross necklace. You'll see someone with a cross hanging from their mirror in their car, right? You'll see all these things about the cross. And it's often viewed as a symbol of Christianity. But you know what? It's a horrible thing. These Romans, they literally concocted the worst way to die. <laughs> and that was the cross. And yet Jesus Christ... In his love, he showed his love toward us, and that while we were at sinners, he died for us on Calvary. So he came to this earth, left the glories of heaven, Philippians chapter 2. Right? He left the glories of heaven to come to this earth, to humble himself, and says, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Paul, in that passage, that society didn't like to talk about the cross in casual conversation. It was almost like the thing that we, they abhorred and stayed away from talking about. And yet Paul says, you know what, I want, to, I want to almost be a little bit shocking to these believers. He says, Jesus Christ left heaven, the glories that it brought, came down to this earth for one reason. Came down to this earth to die. Even the death of the cross. The cross death. The worst death that we could possibly imagine. Because what would happen on the cross is this. Right? First of all, Jesus Christ was whipped, beaten, persecuted, spit on, had his beard plucked out, which I don't have a beard, but when I shave it gets too long, it pulls, that hurts really bad, right? Your eyes start watering. It's like, whoa, I didn't know it hurt that bad. He had his beard plucked out, and then he carried his cross after he lost so much blood, carried to Calvary, and he willingly laid his life down. He didn't fight. He laid down, and he had nails put through his wrists and his feet. And then he was lifted up, and I don't think these Roman soldiers were very gentle. And he was lifted up and dropped into a hole. And so he's sitting there and thud. And his back is open, bleeding. The cross wasn't nice and smooth like this one was. And every time he had to breathe, he had to lift, push up into those nails and lift himself up to catch a breath, and then he would drop back down. And that wasn't even the worst part of what he went through. The worst thing they went through was the fact that his father, who he had been with for all eternity, turned his back on him. And he took on the guilt and the sin of the entire world. I don't know about you, but when I, when I sin, I feel guilty and it feels not very good. And Jesus Christ, who had never experienced sin, you know what he did? He took on the sins of the whole world, including me. And I don't think we, believe, we think about that often enough. We're going to get to it in a second, but 2 Corinthians 5 says, for the love of Christ compels me to live for him. If we truly understand the gospel, it should change everything about us. And yet, we don't think of that often enough, and that was the solution to our problem. 
our problem. We can't get to heaven, but you know what? God, the only person who had Jesus, who lived a sinless life, the only person who could die in our place to be the propitiation for our sins, the only person that could be the payment for our sins, died on Calvary for you and for me so that I can have a relation with him. So the question is, okay, how do I get that, right? He died for me. I have a problem. I see that I have a problem, right? I can't get to heaven on my own. I am not perfect. I never will be. I can't get to heaven on my own. The payment for my, my sin is death. That's my penalty. The solution is that Jesus Christ died. So what's our responsibility, right? Look in Acts, or Romans, sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse number 9 says this. It says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So there's three reasons, right? Three things that we have to do. One, admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's our problem. We have a problem, and we have to admit that. If I don't believe that I need a Savior, you know what? I'm not going to receive one. We talked about receiving a Savior. I'm not going to receive one if, you know what? I don't believe I need one. If I don't admit that I am a sinner and I have a problem, that I have a penalty for my sin, we'll never need a Savior, right? So first of all, we have to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Second, believe in Jesus Christ's work for you on the cross as the payment for your sin. The only payment for your sin, right? Like I said before, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. I can do nothing in and of myself to get to heaven. And so many religions in our world, so many people in our world believe that, you know what? If my good works outweigh my bad, then it's going to be a scale and I just don't know. You know what? That is a horrible way to live. <laughs> just, just practically, right? The burden is all on you. And the Bible says over and over, you know what? The burden is not on you. It's on what Jesus Christ already did. It's on his blood that was shed for you. And all of a sudden, freedom comes, joy comes, because you know what? It's not about me doing more good works than my bad and trying to work my way to heaven, because you know what? If you look at yourself honestly, none of us would ever get there. I do so many bad things in my life, and I look and I go, okay, if I have to do more good than bad, man, I got to really do good. And you know what? The Bible says it's not about you. There's nothing. All our righteousnesses, our best things are as filthy rags. Filthy oil rags, right? I grew up in, in uh, Minnesota. My dad and I, would, we would change our own oil. He taught me how to change the oil. Um, and so I would go out, and I remember these nasty oil rags, right? Um, so my dad taught me when I was growing up, and I remember um, the first time I changed my oil here in, in Indiana, um, I didn't know how to change the oil in this specific car. And so it's different than the other car we used. And so when I twisted off my oil filter, I didn't realize that oil spills all over the place. The other one's from the top. It's really easy, but this one. And so I'm like changing it in all sense, running down my arm and like all over the, and I'm like, <gasps> you know, so I quick slide my oil can under there. I'm like, oh man. So it's all over. So I had to wipe it all up with rags. <clears throat> and these rags were clean when I first wiped it up. And I was like, well, we'll wash them and they'll be okay. We washed them, and you know what happened? They're still not okay, right? They're still nasty, and they still stink. And that's what this idea of all of our righteousnesses, the best things that we can do, you know what they are? Filthy oil rags. Now, when we had Beckham, right, I didn't think, yeah, let's bring the oil rags and wrap them up in those. Right? We wanted clean, sterile things, right, when he first was born. And yet, what, what happens? In our world today, people say, you know what? Here, God, let me give you my good works so I can get to heaven. And you know what we're lifting up? Stinky oil rags. Because again, we're dead in our trespasses. There's nothing that we can do. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we admit that you're a sinner and you're a savior. Believe in Jesus Christ's work for you on the cross as the only payment for your sins. And then we have to repent of our sins and, and trust in Jesus Christ's work alone. Right? There's nothing, Lord, I'm coming to you and I, I don't really know what to tell you. But you know what? I know that I can't get to heaven on my own. But because you loved me, you sent your son to die for me, his death is the only payment for my sins. And when we place our faith and trust in Christ, you know what happens? His righteousness becomes our righteousness. When Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit at the end here about something that teens and adults in our churches may struggle with. Now, some of you got saved when you were four years old and have never doubted once. You may not know the date. You may not know the exactly what you prayed, but you know what? You accepted Jesus Christ, and that's great. But some of you, myself included when I was in high school, made a profession of faith when I was four, and I got to high school and I said, you know what, I don't know if I truly meant it. I, I wanted my parents to be happy, I wanted my sister to be happy, and I knew that's what I needed to do, but I hadn't truly, genuinely trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I trusted him because it was my parents' Savior, because it was my sister's Savior, not because of me. And maybe some of you are saying, you know what, I, I don't know if I said the right thing or not. It's not about what you say, but maybe you're just not sure. I, I don't know if I truly did that. Can I, can I give you guys a little illustration? This is not original with me. I got it from Jim Shetler, who got it from somebody else. But if you turn to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, I want to show you a verse that you can know that you have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, and verse 11 says this. It says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Okay, and then look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that, ye, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Okay, this is what the goal is, that we can know that we have eternal life. But the problem that so many people in our, in our world face is that they pursue salvation as an it. Can I call it an it? A thing to be desired, right? They want salvation as an it. And this verse is going to tell us it's not an it. Salvation is a person. Look in verse number 10, right in the, uh, excuse me, verse number 12, right in the middle said, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Okay, I've got something here. I don't know if you guys can see it from there. It's a ticket to heaven, okay? It's a ticket to heaven. This is my ticket to heaven, right? If I have salvation, I want to have a ticket to heaven, okay? Now, we're going to, okay, what, what is this right here? A Bible, right? Okay, for, for just about, I don't know, three or four minutes, this is now the Son, Okay, the, not the sun in the sky, it's the son of God. Okay? So I have my ticket to heaven, and I have the son of God. Okay? okay, what is this? Ticket to heaven, what is this? No, it's the Bible. No, I'm just kidding, it's the son of God. Okay, so we've got the son of God. Okay, so what happens is a lot of times people pursue this as an it. I want to get salvation so I can have my, almost a get out of hell free card. Okay, I want, I want my ticket to heaven. But the problem is this, this verse says something different says, this is life, and it says, he that hath the Son hath life. Remember at the beginning when I talked about how I wasn't married because I hadn't received my wife? I don't get my ticket to heaven unless I receive the Son, because what it says right here, it says, he that hath the Son hath life. So if I gave them this, they'd have this, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be solid on any solid foundation. What happens is when we put it here, now when they receive the Son, what else do they have? The ticket to heaven. 
And so what happens so often in our world is people want so badly to have that ticket to heaven, but they're not willing to receive the son. And they miss the point. Because, you know, it's not about getting that get out of hell free card so I can go live how I want. Because what happens is if I take this and I start walking and, hey, I've got this, and nothing changes. But instead, if I say, you know what? I receive the Son and all that goes with that. What goes with it? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. And then he says right after that, this story that ye know that ye have eternal life. You know what? It comes through receiving the Son. So the question is this, or the question is not this. The question is not, am I saved or am I lost? Right? Wrong question right now. The real question is not whether you're going to heaven or hell. The real question is this. Have you ever received Jesus Christ? Have you ever accepted and taken him in as your personal Lord and Savior? Because if you have, you know what happens? You get your ticket to heaven. The question is not, oh, am I going to heaven or not? No, the question is, have you received the Son? Because if you have, your ticket to heaven and your eternal life is also there. If you've trusted in Christ before, this wonderful possession that you've received is not something to keep and go on our merry way. We don't take the ticket to heaven and go do whatever we want, right? What does it say? Should I sin that grace may abound? God forbid, right? That's not what we're designed to do. We're not designed to take this ticket to heaven and say, sweet, thanks, Lord, and go live however we want. But instead, 2 Corinthians 5 says that the love of Christ, which in the context means the love of Christ on Calvary, the love of Christ constrains us or compels us not to live for ourselves, but to live unto him who died for us and rose again. All right, it says that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Based on Jesus Christ's love for us. So if you are here this morning and you say, you know what, I've placed my faith and trust in Christ. I have received the Son. Then the question is, how are we living? Because all of a sudden, the love of Christ should change the way that we live. Right? The gospel should impact everything about our lives. Right? A few verses later, 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, because of the love Christ showed us at Calvary, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Everything should change. Our attitudes, our thoughts, our actions, our reactions, our goals, our desires, our love, our joy, our peace, our relationships, our testimony, and I could go on and on and on. Everything about me should change because you know what? I'm no longer the old creature that I was before. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Nothing's missing in there. But it's because of Jesus Christ's love for me on the cross. If I've, if I've received this amazing gift that angels desire to look into, that prophets inquired about, this incredible gift that Jesus Christ has offered me, if I accept it and I receive the Son, you know what happens? Everything should change. So the question is this. Has everything changed? Or did I accept Jesus Christ and I went, thank you, Lord, for my ticket to heaven, but I don't really want the rest of it. Instead, we should say, you know what, Lord? I have the Son, and life comes with it. So the question that tonight is th this morning is this. Have you ever received the Son? There's three answers you could have. Number one, you may say, yes, Pastor Brett, I have received Jesus as my personal Savior. I may not remember the date. I definitely don't remember the prayer but I know I've received Christ. If your answer is yes, then you have your, your ticket to heaven. You have life. You have life eternal. The second answer could be, no, I've never received Jesus as my personal Savior. I may be in this, in this auditorium today, and, and everyone else may even think I'm saved. 
My parents told me that I prayed a prayer as a child, but when I'm honest with myself before God, you know what? I, I know I haven't received Jesus. And if I die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. And the third answer would be this. I just don't know. I know that you preached on salvation, and I, I think I did that as a kid, but I, I don't really know. Then can I encourage you something? Get it taken care of this morning. After seeing the illustration about receiving Christ, if you're thinking, I don't know if I have or haven't received Christ, can I just tell you? Receive him this morning. He's calling for you to come. He's calling for you to receive him. And that we would have no greater joy than to see you receive the Son this morning and your ticket to heaven would come along with it. You'd have life, but life only comes through him. We have a problem, right? Our problem is that we come short of God's glory, but there's a solution. But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So all I have to do is say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that my sin separates me from you, and there's nothing I can do in and of myself. I need you to come into my heart and save me to be my personal Lord and Savior. You know what? The one that I call on, the one that I'm trusting in. I'm not trusting in you plus something else. I'm trusting in you and in you alone. Our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. How many would say, Pastor Brett, after hearing that this morning, it was exciting because you know what? I have received the Son before. I'm not perfect. I may not remember... The prayer, I may not remember the date, I may not remember the time, but I know that I have received the Son. If that's you, would you raise your hand in testimony this morning? Praise the Lord. Hands all across the place. You put your hands down. Thank you for those of you that were honest with me. I, I didn't see every hand. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Brian, I've, I've never done that. I've been trying to get that salvation thing. I've been trying to get that ticket to heaven and I'm missing it because I'm aiming for it as an it and I'm missing that it's a person. You know, salvation is not through a religion. Salvation is not through any words you say. Salvation is through a relationship with Jesus Christ and him alone. And I, this morning, need to receive this. And I may know things about salvation. I may be excited. I may know God exists. I may even have learned some things in Sunday school when I was a kid. But you know what? I've never been saved because I've never received the Son. If that's you, can I... Can I plead with you this morning? God wants you to come to him. Right? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone that he has created to come into a relationship with him. He's, he's calling you. We're going to sing softly and tell you, Jesus is calling you in just a second. He wants you to come to him. And if that's you, and no, no one looking around, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, say, Pastor, I, I, I've never done that, or maybe I just don't know. Would you raise your hand this morning? Anyone like that? Okay, you can put your hands down. This morning, believers, has your life changed? Old things are passed away, all things are become new. Are, are we living the same way that the unbeliever next door lives? It should be drastically different. We should be living for the one that died for us and rose again, not for ourselves. And yet so often we get caught up in me, me, me. And I live for myself all the time. Have we changed? Are our lives different? They should be drastically different and should be, it should be seen by all. I'm going to pray and then we'll stand and do our invitation song. Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful gift of salvation that you offer so freely. Lord, the fact that you 
while we were rebelling against you, Lord, that you showed your love to us by coming to this earth to die on a cross. The horrible cross death that you spent, you spent hours and hours hanging on that cross, taking on the sin of the world, taking on my sin, my guilt, being separated from your Father for me. And then, Lord, rising again and showing your power over sin and death so that I can have the same power dwelling within me. Lord, I thank you so much for this truth that you have shown throughout all of Scripture, Lord, the fact that you love us so much and you've created a way for us to have a relationship with you, an intimate, personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that those this morning that have never done that would come this morning. They would get that settled this morning. They would receive your Son and know this wonderful salvation that we know. Lord, I thank you for these things. Be with the invitation now in your name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with me, we're going to sing the first song, first verse of Softly and Tenderly. If you would like to come near the altar, I don't know what the Lord is working with you this morning. If you are, would love to know more about receiving the Son, please come find me. Um, come with the person that brought you. We would love to show you from the Bible how you can receive Jesus Christ this morning. So we'll sing now, Softly and Tenderly. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you. to have you this morning. I'm sorry for the ring. I wasn't sure what that was, but it seemed to have stopped. And uh, the, the Lord must have known someone needed to hear this this morning because the devil was working right this, uh, this last couple hours at our church. And so uh, we're just thankful that the Lord made it a clear service and we got lights and bathroom use and everything like that. So air conditioning is not, I'm not sweating up here too bad. So uh, that would be good. So Join us tonight. We have a missionary tonight. Alex and Nicole are here. They will be in the back as well. So stop by and get to know them a little bit. Um, And they have a daughter, Michael. She's in the nursery. Um, She'll be out, I'm sure, after that. Um, But they will be presenting tonight. And then intern David will be, uh, youth director David, will be uh, preaching tonight. So looking forward to that. So thank you all for coming. We love you. I'm not going to try to say it all because I can't think of it right now. Anyways, we love you. You are dismissed.